Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible said this, There the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, literally the presence of God, appeared to him, appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him. Notice this. God initiates the conversation. Moses leans into the conversation. And now because Moses has leaned in, God begins to talk. And the same way that God talked to Moses is the same way that he talks to us. God always initiates. And if we'll lean in, God will start talking. Can I get an amen from somebody? And he said this, verse 4, when the Lord saw, uh, or saw that he was coming closer, God called to him in the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. And the Lord said, do not come any closer, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, a honey, a land where the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go. So God sees the need, but then he says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now let's look at one more scripture, if you don't mind. This is Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, and it's going to come up on the screen for us. It says this, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw. Notice this, they saw. So you can see by faith. You can see they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. I want to preach for just a couple of moments tonight on this Monday night. It's 748. I'll have you out of here by midnight. <laughs> Easy. I just want to preach honestly for just a few minutes from this subject. I hope this gets in your spirit. I still have a purpose. I can still make a difference. I still have a purpose, and I can still make a difference. Holy Spirit, speak to us as we enter into this moment in your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Uh, does anybody love to people watch? Can I just see your hand? Go ahead and admit it. You're in church. Don't lie in church. I love to people watch. I feel pretty good at it. My wife is an expert. It's honestly getting a little uncomfortable to go out on dates now. Because we're, we're locked in and we're talking and all of a sudden, she's, she's not on her phone. She's just, she's in it. She's deep in it. And I'm like, honey, they're fighting. I'm like, Shannon, stop. If you can hear them, they can hear you, you know. <laughs> oh, she ordered the chicken. That looks great. I'm like, stop talking about the chicken. 
She's, she's a master. I mean, she's bold as a lion. She is a people watcher, and she don't care. Now, I, I personally do love to people watch. I actually like going to the mall uh, just to people watch. And so what I do is I go, I go to Starbucks. I get my coffee. And then I go to this place. Um, it's literally manna from heaven. It's called Cinnabon. <sighs> Let me just tell you, if you don't like Cinnabon, somebody broke you as a child, okay? <laughs> You need counseling. Cinnabon is heavenly. Most people who don't like Cinnabon, by the way, also don't like McDonald's French fries. Listen, I'm not asking you to admit that you like McDonald's French fries, but y'all know you do like them. Oh, they're gross. They're disgusting. They'll stay in your car forever and they never go bad. I know. That's what's amazing. Seven months later, it's like, there's a snack. It's just as bad for you seven months later, but it's not worse for you. But I love Cinnabon, so I, so I, so I, I sit up with my Cinnabon and my coffee, and I just stare at people. And, uh, rec- you know, we, we've got this little baby, so, you know, I'm interested in, in strollers. So this lady comes rolling up with a stroller, and I'm thinking, oh, he probably has a cute baby. So I go to look in, and there's a dog in the stroller. <laughs> now, if you're a dog stroller person, we love you, and there's a place for you at City Light Church. But if you post a picture on Facebook, we're going to tease you, okay? I'm just telling you right now. So the lady had a dog in the stroller. I was like, okay, whatever. Then another lady starts walking by with a leash, but there's a child on the leash. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, this is hilarious. Now, my baby doesn't walk yet. I'll admit it. Maybe we're going to be leash parents. And if we become leash parents, don't judge us. I don't, I don't know the struggle, but it, it might just be that way. But I, but I do love people, and I love to people watch. And it got me thinking about this question. What makes people different than the rest of creation? What makes us different than anything else God created? And what makes us different than anything else that is living that is created? So what made us different, and what makes you and I different than the animal kingdom? And, and I want to give it to you this way. What sets us apart from creation is that we can take something from the invisible and make it visible. Every one of us in this room has something that nothing else in creation has. We have purpose. We have the ability, Acts chapter 2, to dream dreams and see visions. So we don't live on survival mode. We live by vision. We can live anchored by a dream. So I don't just live to be happy. I live from a vision. I don't just live for need. I live from a dream. I don't just just survive. I can thrive because what makes us unique is that God gave us the ability to see the unseen and bring it into reality. To dream a dream and then walk it out in our life and in our family. During the grand opening of Disney World in Orlando, Florida, a friend of Lillian Disney, Walt Disney's widow, leaned over to her and whispered, it's such a shame Walt never saw this. To which Lillian responded, he did see it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, because he saw it. Friend, that's why we're here, because somebody saw this building in the invisible, in the mind, and then they were able to draw it out and build it up. And 
I believe that for our family and for this church and, and, and for this city, God does not just want us to survive, but he wants to give us a vision, a purpose, a destiny, a dream so that we can make a difference. So we're not just living day by day hoping to make it, but rather he puts something in us that when we can look back and we can tell our grandchildren, we did see it. That's why we're here. I did dream it, and that's why I'm here. I did believe the vision God put in my heart, and that's why I'm here. See, in, Mo, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible said that Moses' parents, notice this, by faith saw that he was no ordinary child. They said there's something different about our baby. I would submit to you that Moses was not more special than anybody else in his generation. But his parents were able to see what other parents could not see. Mom and dad, that's why you got to speak life over your babies. That's why you got to speak hope over your children. That's why you got to speak a dream into your son and a dream into your daughter. Because it's not that there are special children and children that are not special. It's not that there are ordinary kids and unordinary kids. It's rather that there are people, authority, adults that are able to see their child and speak something, see something, believe something, and do something for their child that sets up a dream in their spirit. And friend, I would, I would submit this to you. There are no ordinary people and that means you are not ordinary you are extraordinary there's a call of God on you there is the ability in your life right now to dream a dream have a vision hear from God get a word from heaven for your life for your family I'm sorry I'm screaming at you I don't know why but I'm so excited right now God has a plan you can see it you can feel it you can hear it and friend you can do it mm. and maybe you didn't have a parent or authority that ever spoke life over you or ever told you they were proud of you or ever believed in you. But friend, I've come tonight not to really speak greatness into you because it's already there. Rather, I've come to pull greatness out of you and say you can dream again. You still have a purpose and you can still make a difference. And the vision of our church is to tell people that. No matter what you've done and no matter what you've said and no matter what you've been through and no matter what you're going through, there's still a purpose for your life and there's still a difference you can make and the kingdom is not for perfect people or strong people or people who have it all together, but rather it's for anybody that would say, I still believe that I have a purpose. I still believe that I can make a difference. I still believe I can receive a dream from God that can change my life. And friend, maybe this city is not ordinary. Maybe this city is waiting on a church to see. Maybe this city is waiting on a church to believe. Oh, it's more than a cliche on a Sunday morning. Oh, this isn't Sin City, praise God, hallelujah. No, no, no. I'm talking about Christians who really believe this stuff and who say, I believe this city is not cursed. I believe this city is not damned. I believe God has a plan for this city. And it shows up in our workplace and it shows up in our family and it shows up how we live and it shows up how we pray and it shows up how we witness. See, this city is not ordinary because I don't believe there are ordinary cities, but it's going to take faith like Moses' parents had to see 
what other people cannot see, to believe what other people cannot believe, to say what other people cannot say. Friend, I hope this will always be a good news church, a faith-filled church, a hope church where anybody can come in and we can say, you still have a purpose. You can still make a difference. I'm sorry I'm yelling, but can we just give God a shout of praise? Come on. Oh, this is good news. It's good news for anybody who's alive, still has a future in front of them. And I see just a few things from the text tonight that I believe will help us to discover our purpose and will help us to make a difference. And the first one is this, point number one, if you're taking notes, is you need a God encounter. If you're gonna discover your purpose, and if you're gonna make a difference, it doesn't start with you, it starts with him. Thank you for that amen, baby. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is literally a picture of Jesus Christ before he was manifest in the flesh. It's literally the presence of God meeting with Moses in the earth. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Friend, I'm telling you, you can have a God encounter. A God encounter is not necessarily an emotional encounter, though it could be. A God encounter doesn't always just happen in the front of a stage, though it might. A God encounter doesn't always happen at church, though many times it does. But a God encounter is a life-defining moment with your creator. Hear me, friend, it is not until I know God that I find myself. Huh. I'm going to say it again. It is not until I know him that I actually know me. And maybe the reason that you're trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose and you, seem, you seemingly cannot find it is because you're trying to find it in here. But you will not know who you are until you know who your creator is. I will not know what I'm called to do until I meet the manufacturer. I will not know who I am until I know I am. So I don't live to find myself. I'm just going to go to Europe for three months and travel. I'm just going to go find myself. Friend, there ain't nothing to find. Like We ain't that deep. I'm just going to go stand in front of a waterfall and... <laughs> friend you don't find yourself you meet God and when you find out who he is you find out who you are this is why worship is so powerful side note not in my notes when you tell God who he is he tells you who you are God you are good and when you start telling God who he is, he starts telling you who you are and what you're called to do. That's why you'll never discover your purpose outside of the presence of God. And the Bible said this, that God met with Moses and he said, I am the God of your fathers. He was connecting Moses back to his covenant. He was saying, I'm not talking about your natural family. I'm not talking about King Pharaoh. I'm not even talking about your father-in-law, Jethro. I'm talking about you're connected to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, there's something on your life that is generational. There's something on your life that is supposed to change the future. There's something about you that is connected to something greater than yourself, Moses. 
You're not an Egyptian. Your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, you're called to something holy. See, friend, we can have a God encounter. Our God is not an idea. He is real. He is not a concept. He is alive. He is not a historical rumor. He is moving and active in our world, and our God is not distant. Our God is right here, right now. And when Moses encounters God, he says this, this is amazing. I must go see it. And then he said he had to go take a closer look. I pray City Light is a church where Christians and non-Christians alike can walk in and go, this is amazing. I'm not talking about me. I'm not talking about the singing or the preaching. I'm talking about they feel something and they go, this is amazing. I didn't, I didn't feel this at the club last night and I didn't feel this at the concert last week and I don't feel this with my husband or my wife. I don't feel this with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't feel this when I listen to that kind of music but something happens when those crazy city light people start worshiping and singing and they talk about Jesus from the Bible. It's amazing and, and then hopefully what will happen is they'll say, I must go see it and hopefully they'll take a closer look. That's all I want to do. That's the vision of the church for people to know God that we could create an atmosphere in this room so that you can walk in and go I gotta get closer the Bible said in verse 4 that Moses was approaching God and God said this Moses Moses hear me he did not say murderer murderer but Moses was a murderer see God Could have called him by his character. But instead he called him by his destiny. And anytime you really meet God, he doesn't beat you up for what you did. Because you can't change what you did. He starts talking to you about your calling and your destiny. Because though I cannot change my past, I can do something about my future. See, friend, you, you got to know this. The devil knows your name, but will only call you by your sin. But God knows your sin, but he will only call you by your name. Oh, come on, praise the Lord with me if you feel that tonight. Moses, Moses. And, and it's even more significant because God brings him back to his calling because Moses in the Hebrew language means to be drawn out. See, that's why when his parents hit him in the Nile, as all those babies were dying, Moses' adopted mother, the one who adopted him, she grabs him and she draws him out of the Nile and she says, his name will be Moses because I've drawn him out of the river. And now God's saying, Moses, the same way you were drawn out. You should have died. That should have been you with all those other thousands of babies that were killed by that evil King Pharaoh. But in the same way that the grace of God drew you out, Moses, I'm now calling you to draw out a generation. See, Moses, the reason you're in Vegas is because there's millions of people that need to be drawn out. The reason we're here is not because, well, does Vegas need another church? Vegas needs a thousand more churches. And a thousand more after that. 
Because there are 2.2 million people here. The vast majority of them do not know Jesus. The vast majority of them will never go to church unless they're invited by a close personal friend. The vast majority have no hope. And God is calling Moses to now do for someone else what God did for them. God says, I drew you out and now I'm calling you to draw them out. I loved you and now I'm calling you to love them. I have a purpose for you and now I'm, I'm telling you, you gotta tell them about their purpose. God's calling us back to our calling. I still have a purpose and I can still make a difference whether you're 15 or 30 or 80. There's still a call upon your life. And Moses responds, verse 4, here I am. Because the only thing I can do in the presence of God is surrender. And with my scars and with my pain, and with my sin and with my issues, and with my insecurities and with my fears, who I am is all I have to give. So God... You can have me. And I'll go where you want me to go and I'll say what you want me to say and I'm surrendered. See, let me say this. Moses was 80 years old at this point in the text. He had wasted 80 years of his life. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm, I've wasted so much of my life. It's not about what you could have done. It's about what God can do right now. Man, if I would have started 10 years ago, if I would have started 20 years ago, man, if I would have heard this message 40 years ago, well, you didn't. And we're not going to beat each other up over it. And we're not going to talk about what we could have done, should have done, would have done, had have done, wish I'd done, might have done. You didn't. And it's done. So God doesn't address Moses from his history. He addresses Moses from his destiny. It's not about what you could have done in your marriage or what you should have done with that baby or, what, or how you should have acted at that job. Yeah, that's over. It's over. It's not about what you could have done. It's about what God can do right now. Because a God encounter doesn't beat you up for your past. A God encounter empowers you for your future. And by the way, City Light will never be a church that beats you up for your past. We will always be a church that empowers you for your future. Come on, can I get an amen from anybody? Number two, if we want to discover our purpose and make a difference, we're going to need to separate from your old life. God says, Moses, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. So what God's calling us into is holy. Now don't trip about holiness. Don't freak out. Don't get uncomfortable right now. Everyone got real quiet. <laughs> holiness is not about makeup. It's not about even necessarily how you dress. It's not about the outside. Holiness is about the heart. Holiness is about a God focus. Holiness is about a face-to-face -face with Christ. Holiness is giving God the thing he's asking for when he asks for it. That's holiness. So if God says, give me that relationship, you do it. That's holiness. If God says, give in the offering, you do it. That's holiness. 
If God says, get involved, you get involved. That's holiness. If God says, apologize to your wife, well, I'm not wrong. <laughs> if God says, apologize to your wife, you apologize to her, that's holiness. God said, give me your shoes. Moses gave him his shoes. Give God whatever he's asking for when he's asking for it. That's holiness. It's not always emotional. You're not always going to feel it. You're not always going to fall out in the altar going, ah, and, and, and wake up and you don't have the desire anymore. It's simply a decision. If, if, if God told you tonight, don't, don't drink tonight, don't do it. And you don't do it, that's holiness. It's all, that's, that's, that's holiness. If God tomorrow says, take your kids out to a movie, hang out with them, that's holiness. Holiness is obeying the voice of God in your life. Holiness is not legalism. Holiness is not about rules and regulations. Holiness is about surrender. God said, give me your shoes, and maybe tonight God's asking you for your temper. For others of you, maybe he's asking for your racism or your prejudice. Maybe he's asking for your sexuality. Maybe tonight he's asking you for that secret relationship that nobody knows about. Maybe tonight God's asking for a secret because you're only as sick as your secrets. I'm not here to beat you up, but I am here to say, if God's asking for it, there's grace to repent of it. <laughs> See, if you just feel guilty because the preacher's talking about it, you're probably not going to have the grace to do it. But if, if God's talking to you, that means he's not talking to you just to talk it to you or just to beat you up. He's talking to you because there's a grace in the moment to do what you could not do without him. And by the way, holiness only happens in the presence of God. That's why when God deals with your heart in an atmosphere like this, do it quick. Because you might wake up tomorrow morning and that thing's lifted. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> holiness happens in the presence of God and holiness is about transformation. And if I want to walk in my purpose and if I want to make a difference, I'm going to have to live a life that is surrendered to Jesus Holiness is about transformation. Here's what God was saying. Moses, you've been a shepherd and a murderer, but now you will be a military leader and a prophet. I'm changing you, Moses. God will change you too, friend. Here's holiness to me. Whatever God's given me, that's God's gift to me. And I'm so grateful for it. But my life is my gift back to God can't pay God back, but I can live a life that shows that I'm grateful. Number three, we're going to move on from that real quick. Okay, here we go. Number three, number three, see the need, <laughs> see the need. Jabin, how do I, how do I discover my purpose? See, we're, we're the first generation, by the way, that if you ask this generation, what do you want to be when you grow up? They go, I want to be famous. <laughs> That's not a purpose. That's not a career. Hello, are we all out there? I want a lot of Instagram followers. I want, I want, I want to be famous. That's not, I want to be rich. That's not a career. That's not a calling. That's not, that's not purpose. And we're the first generation to, to think that way. I just need a video to go viral. I just need a photo to go viral. I just, viral is not purpose. If you don't see the need and do something about it, you don't got purpose. You might have money, and you might have fame, and you might have a lot of Instagram followers, but purpose sees the need. See, the Lord told him, I've seen the oppression of my people, 
And I've heard their cries of distress. And if God sees it and God hears it, the church must see it and the church must hear it. See, God's heart breaks for the brokenness of the world. He sees what is happening and it moves him. We serve a God who cares. We serve a God who knows. We serve a God who sees and we serve a God who hears. And we serve a God who wants to do something. God sees the need of Las Vegas. He sees it. He hears the cry of the single mother. He hears the cry of the billionaire in the greatest zip code in Vegas. He hears the cry of the traffic sex worker. He hears the cry of you and he hears the cry of me. He sees it. He hears it. And this is where we get frustrated because we're, we're angry because we're saying, well, God, if you see it and if you hear it, do something about it. But this is where it gets real uncomfortable. I, I know some of y'all have already been uncomfortable. We're, okay, we're, gonna, we're just going into fifth gear, okay? It's just going to happen. And maybe some music would help us. Aria, can you come up? That might lighten the mood. For real, I'm not kidding. <laughs> and free Chick-fil-A. Okay, okay, so... Where's the cow? Okay, no, okay. <sighs> but for real, Arya, can you come up? <laughs> She's like, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. <laughs> I got one more point and I'm almost done. Are y'all okay? Y'all okay? Yeah. I ain't trying to get in your business too much, but, but let, me just, let me just tell you how this works. So you got to see the need. But finally, here's the last point. You got to go. You got to do something. Man, Las Vegas has a lot of problems. Yeah, that's why you're here, bro. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of poverty in Vegas. That's why we're here. A lot of homeless people downtown. Well, we, we got to do something. Now go. I'm sending you. Well, no, God, I want you to do it, Jesus. Do it, fix it, Jesus. No. Jesus did all he's going to do on the cross. He said, it is finished. And from his side poured blood and water, and he birthed the church from his side, just like Adam birthed Eve from his side. And now he's saying, you go. Tag, you're it. I got to do something. I can curse the darkness or I can shine a light. <laughs> but I can't do both at the same time. So I'm either going to be real spiritual and real religious and point my finger at the needs of this world or I'm going to do something about it. So we're either going to be city condemnation church or we're going to be city light church we're either going to be city shame church or we're going to be city light church we're either going to be city judgment church or we're going to be city light church and I just decided we're going to be a light so so God says you got to go God always has and God always will partner with man to change the world that's how he does it. Psalm 115 says, the heavens, the highest heavens are the Lord's, but the earth belongs to man.
I'm responsible. Highest sex traffic city in America, I'm responsible. One of the highest homeless rates in America, I'm responsible. Highest divorce rate in America, I'm responsible. We're it, friends. Because Jesus is not going to get off his throne and start walking the strip. If you see that, it's not Jesus. <laughs> it's going to take you. It's going to take me. Mother Teresa, the great Mother Teresa was on the streets of Calcutta. She was ministering to the orphans and she was ministering to the widows and she was ministering to the sick and she was ministering to the poor and she would hug the lepers and she would kiss the lepers and a atheist reporter came from London and he said Mother Teresa where is God in Calcutta where is God with the orphan? Where is God with the leper? Where is God with the widow? Where is God with the poor? Mother Teresa, where is this God you speak of? And she said, sir, God is anywhere there are hurting people. So the question, sir, is not where is God? The question is, where are you? Where are you with the orphan? And where are you with the leper? And where are you with the widow? And where are you with the sick? Friend, where is the church? Where is God? God is in Vegas because he's crazy about sinners and he's crazy about broken people and he wants to help this city he loves the city the question is not where is God the question is where are you and where am I and what are we doing oh and it would be so easy to point the finger and say if God was real he would fix it the question is if our faith is real we will fix it You still have a purpose. You can still make a difference. But friend, it's going to take us going. Huh. So stop asking God why. Start asking God, what's my part to play? Because you can, you can be angry with God for the hurricanes and you can be angry with God for the flooding in Houston. Or you can be His hands and feet and do something. Well, what can I do, preacher? Can you pray? Can you encourage somebody? If you think of somebody, can you grab your phone real quick and text them and say, I love you? Can you defend a friend? Can you help somebody in need? Can you invite somebody to church? Can you tell a friend about Jesus? Because I really don't think God is calling us to change the world. I think God is actually calling us to love our world. And I think if we love our city, Jesus will change the city. And if we'll love our world, maybe we'll bring some good 
to the world. So, so I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can't change everything, but I can play my part in the story of God for Las Vegas. And I have to remember this. God will never do what I can do. Ouch. Some of y'all are like, I got to read my Bible tonight because I don't know if I believe that. See, only Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. But the disciples had to roll away the stone. I can't raise nobody from the dead, but I can roll away a stone. So we hopped into U-Haul and we moved to Vegas and we're rolling away a stone and we're asking people to join us and uh, our way of rolling away a stone is we're building a church and we're spending money, we're doing stuff like this and we're preaching our guts out and we're feeding people chicken, Christian chicken, Holy Ghost filled chicken. If it was spicy, fire baptized chicken. And we're doing our part. But see, I can't change Vegas, but I can roll away a stone. I can't change your heart, but I can roll away a stone. I can't, I can't, I can't fix your marriage, but I can roll away a stone. I can't save your child, but I can roll away a stone. I can do my part. You can do your part. And if we'll do our part, Jesus will do his part. But we got to go. And then Moses does what most of us are doing right now. He goes, uh-uh. <laughs> like, imagine that. Like, what an incredible conversation. Moses like, man, you got the wrong person. And Jesus said, or God said this to, to Moses, verse 12. He said, he said, I'll be with you. If you'll go, I'll be with you. Have you ever thought about this phrase, following Jesus? You know what that lets me know? It lets me know that he's always moving. Because you don't follow something that is stagnant and still. So if you want to be where God is, you better move. Because he's always moving. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be going. So I'm, I'm bringing you back. Well, what can I do? You can join our launch team. Jabin, was this whole message a ploy to get us to join your vision? I want to say no. <laughs> but I don't want to lie. So I'll say it this way. If you don't want to join our team, go join somebody's team, but get in a church and help a church and use your testimony and your story and your gifts and your talents and your resources to help establish the kingdom of God in this city. And I hope you'll do it with us because I think, why not? Let's go, turn up. But if I'm not the right guy for you, find somebody, serve somebody, get involved somewhere. But friend, you have a purpose and you can still make a difference. I believe one of the major ways you'll do that is by serving in God's house. It's not the only way, but it's a major way. It's not the only thing, but it's a major thing. 
So I want to ask you to do that. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for my friends right now. I pray you give them a dream and a vision for their life that is absolutely undeniable. And it doesn't just bless them, though it will, but you'll use it to make a difference in this city. This is my prayer in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to do one more thing. Uh, we're going to end tonight as we, as we have with every service. We end uh, receiving an offering. We don't, we don't pass buckets, but we have ushers at the doors. And if tonight you feel led to help us, uh, we need it. <laughs> and so we're going to do this thing together. There's an envelope on your seat. I'm asking people tonight, if you're saying, Jabin, this is my church. You're my pastor. We're pumped. We're in. I'm asking you to tithe because we need it. We're starting, we're building, we're beginning, and we would love your help. If you say, Jabin, I don't feel called to do that, I don't feel led to do that, then don't. But for anybody who would say, I, I want to tithe or give an offering to the church, we would so appreciate that. Here's the promise of God. This is, and by the way, uh, well, let me give you this scripture real quick. Proverbs 11, verse 24 says this. The world of the generous. I love this. You, you can't read this without a smile. It just gets larger and larger. That's, that's what happens when you're generous. Your world gets bigger. I'll give you an example. I landed in Phoenix, Arizona a few weeks ago to preach the gospel at a church. And uh, as soon as I landed, my phone began to blow up from my family. And I just call after call after call. I answer the phone. And my dad had a heart attack. And uh, my mom was freaking out. She was literally in the car driving behind the ambulance and they were going to the hospital. And I immediately ran to the, the desk, got a ticket, jumped on a plane, flew to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right before I, I left, I posted a Facebook, I posted an Instagram, I posted a Twitter, and I said, please pray for my dad. And friend, by the time I landed an hour later, we literally had hundreds and well over a thousand comments. I had calls from all over the world, texts from all over the world. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I, and I, I look at my phone and I go, oh my gosh, my world is so big. But it's not big because I'm stingy. It's big because my wife and I have given our life to the kingdom. I've used every gift, every talent, every resource, every ounce of my time and energy for the kingdom of God since I received Jesus when I was 14 years old, June 10th, 1998. I've never looked back. I've given everything to the kingdom. And 20 years later, I post a prayer request and thousands of people start praying. And I believe it's connected not only to my generosity to the kingdom, but to my parents who have given their whole life to the kingdom, raised their family in the kingdom, 
given and invested in the kingdom. And now we have this big life. See, the, the Bible did not say the world of the generous gets another Bentley and another Bentley and another Mercedes. That's not the world of the generous. I, I'm not promising you any of that. I'm promising you, if you'll live with an open hand, God will make your life bigger, your influence greater, your light brighter, the calling and destiny over your family more powerful. It's way more than money could buy. Way more. It's a great, powerful, generational, impacting life. And I'm now reaping the benefits of what my parents have done for decades. And I hope that you'll be able to look at your kids and your kids will be able to say, I'm now reaping the benefit of my parents who have given their life to the kingdom for decades. I want to ask you to give tonight. No amount is too small. No amount is too big. Um, every penny you give is going towards the vision of City Light and towards our launch in January as we literally have hundreds of thousands of dollars in equipment that we have to purchase, vision that we have to go out with. World, you know, we just want to do something amazing for the kids and amazing for worship and um, just we've got, we've got buildings that we got to rent or lease or Jesus, we need a building for January. If anybody knows a guy with a building, hook it up. I know Jesus and he knows a guy, so we're working together, but if you know a guy, <laughs> we're freaking out. It's October. <laughs> we don't have a building. Okay, so anyway, so, and we're open to anything. We're open to renting a school. We're open to leasing a building. We're, we're open to whatever the Lord would have for us. So, but all this, all of, all of your resource goes towards reaching Vegas with the gospel. Can I get an amen from somebody? So there's an envelope on your seat. I, I ask you, you can pay credit, cash, whatever, or go online, which, by the way, is the best way because it's safe, it's easy. And if you do like what my wife and I do, there's just an auto thing that happens, and that's how we do it. But anyway, there's a lot of different ways. You can get by cash, whatever you want to do. Old school, you can write a check. I've joked about this, but I'm not joking. I've never written a check in my life. But for all of you check writers, we love you. And you can write a check tonight. I've never seen a check. I've heard of them. They're like unicorns. I've, I know they're real, but I've never, huh? But, hey, you still have a purpose. And you can still make a difference. And I pray we'll discover our purpose and we'll make a difference together.